Hey, wake up with Wesley listeners. It's everyone's favorite sound guy, Rory. Um, On today's episode, there's a few issues with the audio. It's nothing too bad. We're kind of at the mercy of a Zoom recording, so, you know, shit happens. I think it was something with the Wi-Fi. Who really understands Wi-Fi? It's ethereal and mysterious. I don't get it. But um, just bite your lip, grab a hold of something, we'll get through this, and enjoy Kimberly Spencer. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wake Up With Wesley. I'm Wesley and today I am so excited because I'm chatting with Kimberly Spencer who happens to be all the way out in the land down under. She is in Australia, you guys. We're doing this over Zoom. Kimberly, what is up? Hey, Wesley. I am so honored and excited to be on your show. I have loved your content, devoured some episodes, and I was like, this girl, this girl's got it going on. So I'm super excited to be a part of this. Okay. Well, I'm equally as stoked because I, I, in preparation, I have been just consuming all your stuff. All podcasts are my love, obviously. I mean, I have a podcast. I can get shit done, listen to a podcast, but I, I was thinking you would be a great person for all of my listeners and I have shifted gears. I feel selfish. This one is for me. You are going to teach me about my own business. (laughs) I feel like you have so much wisdom and you have so much experience and And I mean, I think we just need to get into what you do. So you are a, you're a certified high performance coach. You're a best selling author. You are a health junkie. You're a wife. You're a mom. You're a freedom lover. You are a star, 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 star. Rory here. See, I told you it gets better. Uh, Like how on earth did this happen for you? How inspired you to take this life path? Looking back, it all makes sense. Like, it it totally makes sense to move from being uh, an actress and a screenwriter and to write and a pageant girl to then write a motocross movie and then turn into being a Pilates instructor and then own an e-commerce company and then become a high-performance coach because that's (laughs) like the normal life path, right? So... Looking back, though, it makes so much sense because I know what business I've always been in, and it's always been in the business of transforming people's stories to ones of possibility, from ones where they are um, a victim of some experience or something, and to being, or sometimes of themselves, to then being the victor, to being the queen, to being the the leader of their life. And I've done this since I was a child. So, I mean, this, these were the stage plays that I corralled all my neighborhood friends into producing were these plays of transformation of a princess who is selfish and who gets, you know, or whose kingdom gets taken over by an evil queen and she has to, she's exiled and then she has to come back and transform the lives and lead her kingdom back to glory. And like, these are the productions that I put on as a child. And so looking back, I'm like, it makes sense that I would have a business that's called crown yourself where I get to be a queen and (laughs) also to be able to transform people's stories on a regular basis about what's possible for their body or their life or their business. I mean, 
when my I I get just excited as excited when my clients hit 50k 100k months as I do when they get engaged or get divorced if that's what's aligned for them like it's it's really looking at what is the story that you have been telling yourself about all the things as to why you couldn't have all the things that you wanted as a kid or all the things that you dreamed of being and becoming and then like let's shift that shake that up and and turn it on its head so you can have do and be everything that you've ever wanted i'm into it man the crown yourself she has a website called crown yourself and it really was because of this childhood i mean you wanted to be a princess and then you grew up and you're like, how do I really make money off of this idea? You want to talk to people. You want to coach people. You want to transform your life. You literally come up with crown yourself on your honeymoon. And I think we have to go into the fact that like, it was kind of coming off a shit storm, right? Like it wasn't your intent yeah. it was kind of out of like necessity. Yeah. I was on my honeymoon wondering like, what was I going to do when I got back from the land of, uh, pasta and wine, which I was very thoroughly enjoying. Um, <laughs> we were on the, our honeymoon in Italy and three weeks before I got married, I got bought out of my first e-commerce company. And prior to that experience with that e-commerce company and looking back, I'm so grateful for that experience because I literally was helped, uh, like that experience allowed me to coach one of my clients just recently through her own buyout through buying out somebody who is not aligned for her company um, and through the experience of the legal stuff that goes on with that. And that was so soul fulfilling to know like it, like that experience was so for me so that I could be there for my client through this time and speed up that process. And, but looking back to that experience, that being with that company and then being bought out of that company, that was my first really crushing failure. Like I perceived it as a failure. I don't anymore, mm -hmm. but I'd never prior to that, I'd always been super audacious with my asks with what I wanted. I mean, I remember when I was 17 and I had dropped out of college two weeks before I was supposed to start with an agreement with my parents that I would pursue my career in entertainment and I would take this acting class that just fueled my soul. And I was in this acting class with all these people who were at least a decade older than me, if not more. And they were all surprised with my tenacity and my audacity to just go for it, to just like be unapologetic, to show up at casting director's offices, to pass out my headshot like candy, to like, to, to really make those asks, to ask to be in big productions, to ask, you know, ask to be on a set and to, to just put myself out there. And I did the same as a Pilates instructor. As soon as I got the gut hit that I needed to teach it because I wanted a job to sustain myself in my, in Hollywood. Um, cause I was making no money in Hollywood. Um, I, <laughs> a lot of people need bridge jobs. A lot of actors do. And I didn't want to wait tables. And so I was like, Oh, Pilates, I could actually help people. I could work out. I could do something that actually makes me feel really confident. And my soul and my gut just said, you need to teach this. And I started teaching people. And this was back when I had an eating disorder. And I was just like, I was put in this place of leadership and I was helping people with the, their body image issues and helping them heal through Pilates. And it was, it was amazing and so much fun. And I just dove right into it. The same was true when my uh, co-writing partner said, Hey, can you take this movie and like 
turn it into like a motocross movie and I was like sure yeah he's like do you know anything about motocross no not really no I figured it out and and I figured it out and then like same was true when I jumped into being a part of this e-commerce company like I knew with my Pilates background that the the product that we were going to be selling would really serve uh, a whole bunch of people with relieving and transforming their story around back pain Mm -hmm. and I jumped in and then my business partner originally wanted to bring me on as like a uh, consultant for the physical side. And I was like, no, I want a partnership. I want to be in this. I want to go all in. And like, suddenly I was running a, a quarter of a million dollar company and <laughs> as, as a partner. And I was like, holy moly. But I was audacious with my ass. And this was the first time that having a crushing blow for me where suddenly I was in the state of shock and doubt. And maybe I shouldn't ask for so much. Maybe I shouldn't you know, maybe I should hold back. Maybe I should be a little bit more restrained. And I doubted myself so much that even though throughout the time that I owned my e-commerce company um, and was a partner in that, I owned my private Pilates studio. I owned and operated it. I still was teaching Pilates um, and and doing that. It was a small business, but it and I never meant for it to be the main thing. But I doubted myself so much on my ability to run a business that I even got a second job teaching Pilates at some other, uh, at a chiropractic office because I didn't trust myself to run a business. Yeah. And I, and, and to make it worse, I took payment that was less than what I got paid when I first started teaching Pilates. I'd already been teaching Pilates for like eight years. It shook you. It shook me so hard to my core of my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that was what I had to build back up before I could even crown myself. I would have spurts of inspiration and spurts of photo shoot and action, but I had so much doubt as to my capability, my ability to move forward, my ability to do anything successfully, and that that it really made me question everything and spiraled me into this cycle of blame and shame and complaining. I was not a sexy wife for that first year of marriage. <laughs> like I was bitter, like not at my husband, like for my husband, it was fine, but he, he was lovely. He still is. Um, and he's been such a great support and a cheerleader and he's always been on my side. And but I was so, my mindset was so jacked up royally from feeling fucked over. Yeah. Well, and you even, it. Though I, even though I wasn't, like the feeling and the story that I built up was this victim story. And it really put me in a space where I was just blaming and complaining and it took my son getting pregnant for me to be like, this ain't the woman who I want to be the mother of my child. Like this woman who complains, who blames, who's just constantly mired in shame and doubt and no self-worth. Like I don't want, like I want my son to see a strong, powerful woman and a woman who knows her worth and who claims it. And this ain't it. And so that was when I immediately signed up, drove to Vegas by myself for this, uh, to get certified in NLP timeline therapy and hypnosis, because I knew I'd reprogrammed my mindset from 10 years of bulimia. I could do it again around my business. I just didn't know how to access my unique subconscious success strategy Mm -hmm. to get me there. 
And that was what I learned through this program. And when I discovered that, I felt so empowered. And when I freed myself from a lot of the negative emotions that I was really holding on to, some from childhood uh, trauma, um, that I, I was able to release. And within a couple months, I got my first $2,000 client, and then I got my first $5,000 client, and then I was seeing some traction building in my business, and then in 2018, I was able to grow 389%, Wow! and then close my Pilates studio, and then go over to Australia for some conventions that my husband was appearing at, and like travel, and that was always the goal for us to have a life and a business where we can travel, where we can share experiences and teach our children from experience rather than from a textbook mm -hmm. and show them different cultures instead of teaching them about different cultures. And that's always been the dream. And so now like being over here in Australia where we like, even though some Australians, they ask us if we got stuck and I was like, not really. We kind of manifested this. Like this was always the vision for our relationship. Well then how on earth? Okay. So it happens. You're kind of in like, sh like shitty situation. You get pregnant. And why is it that children always pull the best parts of us out? I swear it's my story too. The kids, man. I, it's like you, sometimes it's hard to do it for yourself, but you throw a kid into the mix and stuff starts moving. But how, like, oh, yeah. what was you, what, what would you say to me? Let's just take me. I feel like a hot damn mess. I do. I do. I started this podcast since everyone, all the listeners, they understand this podcast started it on a whim. Didn't think anyone would listen. I'm the girl that thinks no one's going to come to her party forever. And always uh, doubt, like what you said, you started experiencing doubt. I'm a confident person in myself and in my abilities, but when it comes to putting my stuff out there, I kind of feel like people will be uninterested. So how do you do what you did? How do you rewire your thoughts around doubt and worth and I don't know, success? What's like step one? How do you even start this process? Hold up right here. It's time that I get to talk to you guys about Four Sigmatic. So Four Sigmatic is a wellness company that is well known for its delicious mushroom coffee. Yes, I said it. Mushroom coffee. If you've been listening to my show for a while now, then you already know I am obsessed with mushrooms and all of their amazing health benefits. I even recently went off coffee for 12 weeks straight, you guys, three months, and I only drank mushroom hot chocolate. And honestly, I'm feeling better than ever. But here, here is the reality. Coffee for me is my one true love. Like, I don't need it anymore. I proved that to myself. I can live without it. But I sure as hell want it. I don't want to live without it. So I did some research and I found Four Sigmatic and it has combined the two loves of my life into one. It is the perfect product, you guys. It is ground mushrooms blended into pure delicious coffee and it does not taste like mushrooms. It's coffee. So you don't have to worry about taste. And I, I thought it would be too good to be true. That's why I bought it on my own. I tested it out myself. It is amazing, you guys. I love it. It is made with lion's mane and chaga. Chaga, you could say, is like the king of mushrooms. It's like my favorite functional mushroom. There are compounds and antioxidants in chaga that play a big role in supporting your immune system. And lion's mane is incredible for helping with maintaining focus and giving you that long lasting sustainable energy. 
So with this coffee, you're not crashing at 2 p.m. You just, you have to try it out for yourself to feel the difference. Just trust me on this one. So I have worked out an exclusive offer with Four Sigmatic on this best-selling Lion's Mane coffee. And it is just for you guys, the Wake Up With Wesley listeners. So you can receive up to 39% off of their best-selling Lion's Mane coffee if you choose to buy one of their bundle options. Or you can get 10% off if you choose just to buy one of the items in the store just to try it at a time, just one at a time. So to claim this deal, you must go to foursigmatic.com slash Wesley. This offer isn't available on their regular website, so go to F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C dot com slash Wesley and you can fuel your productivity with creativity and some delicious mushroom coffee. Full discount is applied at checkout. So let's get back to the show. Um, there, there are so many pieces of this puzzle, but I would love to touch on first success and what your definition of success is. Because so often our definitions of success are somebody else's definitions of success that may not actually be true for us. Oh, I'm feeling like, that right now. Yes, I know exactly one, what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's that, that plagiarized programming of this is what success should be for you, but that's not really in alignment with what it is you want. I mean, not everybody actually really wants a million dollar business. While everybody does say they want a million dollars, like pretty much bar none, not everybody really at the soul or core wants to work that hard or to put in that those hours or to do that level of work. Um, and not everybody also necessarily wants to build a business on their own. I mean, I was so great. I had, um, one of my clients and this happens so often when I'm working with someone privately, um, they come to me to help them build their business and six months into like working together, like three months in about halfway through they pivot. They see like, oh my gosh, this really isn't the thing that I want. I actually, they normally have something else that they've been doing on the side that is like helping somebody else out with their business. And they actually would prefer to help somebody else out with their business or growing that thing that is somebody else's rather than doing it for themselves. And that's totally okay. But they were buying into the story that to be a success means you have to own your own business and have your own thing and have that be a success. Yeah, not necessarily true. You can be a success by helping other another business be a success. And that can be your success because you're a part of that success. But it comes down to what is your actual definition for success. And we all have different definitions of what that is. Just like if I were to ask somebody who grew up with two dads, what their definition of a mother was, it would be a very completely different definition to somebody who grew up with a a heterosexual couple as as their parents. Mm -hmm. And it would be a totally different definition than somebody who grew up with some single mom. Like the definition of, of the internal representation that we make in our mind of what that thing means for us is so different for every word, for everything. So with these big giant nominalization and concepts of success or health or family or providing or money, uh, what do they really mean for you? Like what is the thing like 
what does that money really mean for you? What does health really mean for you? Like I was working back when I did body image and wellness coaching, I had a client who had lost 20 pounds and she did it because she had switched from eating unhealthy to eating healthy in her definition. And so I explored that. I said, well, what, what was unhealthy? And she said, well, eating McDonald's hamburgers every single day was unhealthy. And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty up there. I'm glad you admit that. Um, and they said, well, what's healthy for you? And she said, well, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. Oh, they're oh. both, they're both two, they're both a sandwich two slices of bread with a piece of meat in between. Now, of course, the quality of the ingredients may be different. Um, the quality of the nutritional capacity of like what's been put into it is maybe different. But what really was there was the belief that chicken sandwiches were healthier oh, for her. my gosh. And yeah. the belief helped lead her to losing 20 pounds. Now, she had lost 20 pounds and she still had about 20 more that she wanted to lose. And no longer was eating Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches doing the trick. So shifting again, the definition of, well, what is health for you? What really is health for you? And what does that mean? And for her, it meant feeling lack of brain fog. And it mm -hmm. meant feeling clarity. And it melt, meant feeling purpose, actually. And so I was said, well, how, so we dove into really what purpose was rather than the surface habit of eating Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches because it never really is about the, the surface level stuff. It's always something deeper. It always goes back to energy and it always goes back to the beliefs. Mm -hmm. So look at like with, with for you, Wesley, with what you said about your um, like feeling like a hot mess. It's like, well, according to who? According to my schedule, that is because outwardly everything looks tidy, nice. It's it's there's a flow, there's a system, but my personal life, man, has taken a hit. My timing, how I spend my time, I haven't. I think I, I I'm experiencing growing pains, so I wasn't expecting growth, so I didn't prepare for growth, and I just didn't get an assistant, and I thought I could do it all, and I'm juggling all these plates all the time, and then. Corona hits, and I'm now a, a home of a, a teaching my three kids from home on top of a new business, a new podcast. And I, I was ill, not even ill prepared. I just, I wasn't prepared, I guess. And I think that it's looking calm on the outside, but my personal time has gone haywire. And while numbers are successful, I mean, it is, it's highly successful. It's, it shocks me every day that this thing is successful, but my personal life feels chaotic. And that feels like a failure in my personal life. I don't want to feel chaotic. I want to do this for freedom. The reason I started was all I want to do in life is have really interesting conversations. Like what better job? This is the, the dream job of a lifetime for me. I'm doing it. I'm living it. And I kind of get bummed out when I'm like, wait, why aren't you feeling like you're being successful in this? The numbers are high. People listen. People love it. But I personally feel like I'm a hot damn mess right now. I can't figure my shit out. There's a massive difference between the science of success and like the numbers behind success and actual true fulfillment, which is what 
I believe success really is. Mm -hmm. Like when you can wake up and feel so fulfilled in what you're doing because what you're doing is supporting what you love and what you love is supporting what you're doing and finding that dance and that balance. I, I don't believe in balance for one. And I think that's been a myth that's been shoved down a lot of people's yeah, throats. I, I think believe that's in the harmony. problem. I'm looking for yeah. balance, and I don't think there's really balance here. I just got to find a system. <laughs> I don't yeah. Know. So finding a system is one. Like I tell all my entrepreneur clients, like when they are, because everyone builds a business to have more freedom, and suddenly they're build they built this business that's really more like a cage and yes. that they love, but at the same time they're like, I feel so stuck, and it's because. There's, there isn't the structure of the plane to get you to the destination. So the freedom that initially happened with, like that happens with entrepreneurship, like, yes, I get to do this thing. It's basically like throwing yourself off a cliff and having the pieces to build the, the, the <laughs> squirrel suit to fly. And then as you're flying through the air, finding the pieces to then build the plane that then gets you to the other side of the ocean. Yes. Uh, and that's basically how I describe entrepreneurship. But so often- I, Wait, I like need people to rehear that. That is the best. People are so excited to start their own business and that you should, but damn, man, it is that what you just said. You have to build your own squirrel suit in the air. That's business. In the air while <laughs> flying. And then as you're flying, once you finally successfully manage flying in your squirrel suit so that you're not falling and flailing, you have to find the pieces in the clouds to pull the plane together to then support you because the squirrel suit will only take you so oh. far. So then you have to find the plane and the crew members. And sometimes you need a pit stop in order to be able to do that. Maybe you need to land with your squirrel suit with your feet on the ground and find some people and roll them into your team to help build your plane. And then you fly the plane to the destination. Yep. But so many people, like so many entrepreneurs are first starting out of business and I know because I did this and I made all the mistakes, um, is they fling themselves off the cliff saying screaming freedom. And then they suddenly are like flat on the ground. Like what happened is, well, you had no structure to your freedom. Like uh. your freedom needs just as much structure as a plane needs to get to its destination. Like if you want to fly to Hawaii, you aren't going to fling yourself off of a cliff on in, in Los Angeles and expect that you will fly magically there to, and land in Hawaii. You get on a plane, you have some structure around you and supporting you that takes you to the destination. So then you can go there, you can get the lay, you can, you know, sip the pina colada and enjoy it. Yep. I mean, I think I, I am hearing what you're saying because I mean, my husband said this, he's done this before and he kept, he kept lovingly warning me, but I'm stubborn and I didn't want to listen. He was like, you should really like <laughs> prepare, get some support now before you can. And now that I'm like, oh my gosh, I need support. I need support. I need support. And I'm desperate and it causes so much frustration. But at the end of the day, I do love what I'm doing. I don't, oh, yeah. this is one of the things. This is one of the questions I had for you. How do you know? Because I know in my soul, this is not a quit a quit problem. This is a growing pain problems. But when do you know when that struggle in and, and that like a cage, like you said, when do you tell your clients, okay, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe this is a stop point because sometimes don't you feel like people, they don't want to fail. They're so tied. They, that, that failure is not an option in business. When do you say it's okay to, to stop? When's the green light for stopping? That's such a great question. And it's, it's less about the achievement. It's more about the alignment. Oh, I and love alignment. 
but let's get into it. With high achievers, especially, and mostly most people who go for you know creating their own business and life on their terms and having freedom, they generally are high achievers. Um, who are my peeps? Like high achievers generally don't have a problem with achieving because eventually, if you apply enough force, enough hustle, enough push, enough enough go getedness, enough discipline, and enough follow throughness you will get to a place eventually that you can have a six-figure business and you can you can even have a million-dollar business um, that you can still, you can force and push and hustle your way to it. Does it mean it's a line? Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things is it's, it's looking at what, so I'll give you an example because I, I speak best in metaphors. Um, when I was first in, in 2018 or 2017, yeah, 2017, I was, um, I had just given birth to my son. I was about six weeks out. I was running two businesses. I had crown yourself. That was like off the ground. I'd had six weeks of recovery and I had stopped teaching Pilates for that six week recovery period. I was still teaching Pilates for the first, uh, year and a half into my business. And I was still, I still had my own little studio and I was on the phone with my lawyer because I had this little cute private studio in Burbank um, sitting there for six weeks without any income coming into it. And I was still paying rent and all the things. And so I was talking with my lawyer about, you know, hiring, um, hiring team and like, should I hire um, other Pilates instructors to come work out of my studio and how would that work? Would it be best to have them as freelancers or would I bring them on as employees? And I literally was trying to figure out how do I grow this passion business, crown yourself, which is a thing that I really loved and go all in on that. And how do I grow and still sustain the income from Pilates and that business and what that was, that business was bringing in. And I get off the phone from my lawyer and I immediately check my email and I see an email from my landlord. And she says, I need to have you out in the next two months because I'm expanding my business and it's nothing against you. You've been an awesome tenant, but I need you out because I'm growing my business. And I was like, okay, cool. Because she had, she owned the building and had like offices and half of the offices. And that was when I was like, okay, God, (laughs) gotcha, Mm -hmm. gotcha. Don't grow two businesses at the same time. Use this business as just a little side hustle support for a little while. And I just was able to to figure out, move the, I moved the studio into my home. I just brought some people I, I allowed for the clients that I really liked to come work with me out of my home if they didn't mind having a baby in the background. Um, and then I used that money to sustain myself as I built Crown Yourself. But I knew in that moment that trying to grow two businesses at the same time was not aligned and was not for me. And I really, that was the moment where I said, I either have to choose to go all in on this or to be half in on both and be a new mom. And I wasn't available for that. Mm -hmm. And so I think with anyone who's struggling in that place of my business is encroaching on my personal life, for one, how can you enroll your personal life into your business? Like, especially with 
older children, like they can do certain things inside of your business. Like I have one of my clients, her two daughters are in their late teens and they help with some of the embroidery and the stitching that she does in her business. Um, I have seen other people, they like one of my other clients, he enrolled his son to do some of the videography in his, in his business. And his son is in his, you know, early twenties, but he's, you can still enroll your kids into your dream. Like one of the things that, uh, Spike and I do, because we're both entrepreneurs is when I go into the, the back room to work with a client or to record a podcast, like, Spike and Decky, like they both cheer me on as like, yay, mama, yay, mama, mama's going to go help people. Like that's, that's always been the, the thing is like, I want to train my son to know that sometimes certain things are not a priority and sometimes certain things are. So yes, there is, is definitely priority time with my son. There's also priority time for me and my business. Uh -huh. And that's a big differentiation, especially for moms. And I think especially for moms, we have been programmed with this freaking mom guilt oh, it's that real. if we're not doing it all, then suddenly like we're, it identifies us as a failure in whatever way. And that bullshit is, is real and it yeah. is bullshit plagiarized programming that just no longer serves it doesn't serve us as women it doesn't serve us as mothers it allows our children to see ourselves in a space of shame and guilt mm -hmm. which doesn't serve them i mean what is that teaching your kid about going for your dream and creating something that you really love having shame and guilt around it I like know. i think about that all the time actually i'm so glad you said that and the other person that i think it actually helps the kids this is my life recently, yes. I got to a bullshit limit. I had to create boundaries. I was like, wait, I'm doing it all. I'm doing a business, another business, cleaning, cooking, shopping, and then doing the dishes. And I was like, I have a 12 and an eight-year-old. They are capable. So I spent two days and I taught them how to clean this house as good as I clean it. Not like a kid style. Like now they do it. <laughs> they, they weren't happy about it. There was pushback initially, but now this place, I mean, I, it, I don't know if it would have happened ever the way it's happening now, but it's because I reached my bullshit limit and yes. they're capable. They are capable. And now they know they're capable. So I see them, they might not like it, but they take pride. I mean, they clean the kitchen as good as me. They can do it. It's amazing. Yeah. And then why didn't I do this earlier? <laughs> I think that's that's the thing of of really empowering our children rather than doing everything for them. Yes. And that's always yes. been my style because I, I I've because I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of people and I've been blessed to be in people's homes as a Pilates instructor um, as well. And I've seen how certain people raise their children, and there were certain things that I was exposed to by working with so many different people that I got exposed to a whole different way of raising your children and ways in which someone in, in which I was like, yes, hell yes, I want to totally do this. And somewhere I was like, oh, hell, hell no, no. <laughs> like, I am not, I, I drew the line very fast and quick at doing everything for my children mm -hmm. like that. And I, I only have a three-year-old and I'm already encouraging him about all the exciting things like doing the dishes and cooking, making your bed, sleeping, and making your bed, he's going to get to do 
when he's older. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to be three and he's very excited to help mommy (laughs) and daddy put the dishes away. And he's like very, he's like, he gets, he takes personal responsibility already for taking his dishes in. And even though he doesn't always want to clean up his toys, he is the one who cleans up his toys. Mm-hmm. And that's something that for like, I start training, I, and both my husband and I got on board with this very early on, is the em- empowerment sort of parenting, yes. where we are a team and training them to think like a team, mm-hmm. like just like in a business. I mean, one of my, um, one of my clients, I was talking to her and she was saying about how she like basically had to train her husband because she was going away for her trip for a business trip and she'd never been away from her kid in like 15 years. And there was some trauma there with, with her child because her her child had had cancer early on. Mm -hmm. And so, and he'd recovered and he's, he's totally fine, but she had been the dependent. She sacrificed everything really for, to be able to raise him. And now she was venturing back into the world of business and she went off for her business trip and she had like her husband was not empowered to make decisions. She was the default player. And I've seen this problem with teams on a larger level with um, companies and corporations making hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars where they don't empower their team members. Where And here's the thing is with C players, C players in, in a business standpoint will create a job that they are basically irreplaceable in. They will make systems very challenging, difficult, and complicated for them to be able to actually, so that they don't get fired oh. versus an A player will create systems and uh, processes that are very, very simple, easy, and not complicated, and they will do their job impeccably well so that you may you may be able to fire them. You won't want to because they're so amazing at what they do. And it got me thinking about, oh my goodness, how many wives and parents are there who create them, who make themselves into being C players in their family team, where you make yourself irreplaceable because you've created complicated systems that are impossible for anybody else to take part in. And thus you're the one doing all the work. And I see this more with women than with men. Um, But being that a player means that you can create systems that are simple. They can be repeatable. They, They can be repeated by your kids. They can be repeated by your husband. And thus you don't have to program freaking Alexa to train your husband or your children on what to do when you're away. Like, I don't want my husband or my son to have to hold my hand, like for me to hold their hand throughout their entire life. Agreed, man. That just I means that that's freedom. Moves. That's success to me. Yeah, yeah that's freedom. That is success. That is freedom. That is empowerment. Well, your family is empowered. It's like, ah, I get what you're saying. I like that. I'm going to steal that for my life. I want A team players. I want my kids to be A team. I want to be A team. No more C players. No more C players. Like, that's. When, when, that, and it's so empowering when you are a team of A players that are on your game and like, I mean, that just show up for each other. I mean, I, my husband does all the cooking in our relationship and thank God, because no one really wants me cooking. (laughs) Just, it's definitely what I cook for. I eat for functionality, not necessarily for flavor and for performance, not necessarily for like 
total immersion of the enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Um, he, my husband's a foodie though, so he will totally like, di- he loves cooking. It's his thing. But we have a very equal um, differentiation of like asking for help and asking for support. And I think so many women don't ask for support simply because of that fear that by asking for support, it means that they're not enough in some way, not strong enough, not capable enough, not worthy enough, not whatever enough to be able to do it all themselves because we've had this message shoved down our throat that we should be able to do it all to have it all. And I'm like, girl, I do not do it all. I have everything that I wanted, but it's because I don't do it all. Well, you said this in the beginning, you said that you would ask the big asks and I, for in my life, that has been one of the hardest things. It's something I'm really discovering now. I'm in my thirties, man. I'm like late to this game, but asking for what you need or want when you want it and not being timid and shy, but how do you coach someone who that is not their nature? How, how do you get more comfortable with that? Is it confidence? Is it self-worth or is it just practice? Like repetitive. You just start asking until you, you aren't uncomfortable with it anymore. What do you do? I I'm asking for myself. (laughs) I'm I'm awful at this. (laughs) I totally get it. And you are not alone. I, it is, it is a practice. It is simply getting on your mat like yoga every single day and just choosing to make an ask. Like I put, um, my revolutionary empire builders through a challenge that I said for one week, just every day, you're just going to make an ask, ask for somebody to be on your podcast, ask your husband to do the dishes, ask your, uh, your kids to pick up their toys, ask, ask like make an nap. ask that that's ask what for a nap. Yeah. Ask for a nap. And sometimes don't even ask, like ask for it and watch that you don't even apologize for asking for it Ooh, because okay. That's that's the thing is that a lot of times we'll ask and then we like feel bad or sorry no or like oh I, I know I shouldn't really be asking this but and I'm like if you need a nap ask for the support to take a freaking nap or sometimes yeah. like it's not permission like, it's support I'm glad you clarified it's that it's support. not permission. yeah or can you support me I'm gonna take an hour for myself I'm gonna take a nap that's it's simple yeah. it sounds so simple it's so much it's harder in the moment but yeah it's support. All right, people, I need to interrupt this right now to tell you all about the Daily Shifts app. So you've actually heard me talk about the Daily Shifts before. I've done two episodes with the founder, Doug Cartwright, and he created an app that I personally use that totally encompasses all of the daily tasks needed to start shifting your life in a more positive direction. The Daily Shifts focuses on mindfulness and meditation, gratitude practices, goal setting, being present, and breath work. It is so simple. It is so easy to use, yet it it is incredibly powerful. I cannot, I can't even tell you. Like, you have to try it out for yourself to really see how these little daily habits and prompts can truly start to change your life for the better. And I know that most of my listeners here, we're all here for a similar reason. You're either experiencing a spiritual awakening in some way or another for yourself. And that's probably been triggered by grief or loss, maybe a breakup or a faith transition, maybe a job change or a lifestyle change, and you're looking for guidance on how to really move forward in a way that feels good and mostly like doable, actually doable, 
And I'm telling you that this is it, the daily shifts. So Doug is offering you guys, the Wake Up With Wesley listeners, something that they have never done before. They are offering you their masterclass, which is a 75-page workbook. And they're offering you guys access to the Daily Shifts private Facebook group. And they hold weekly challenges and a printable calendar. And just the community in itself is invaluable. So they're offering all of these things to you for $99. If you haven't already downloaded the app, the Daily Shifts, then you throw that app into the package and you get everything for $139. People, this would normally be $1,100. You have a savings of 961 bucks. You got to take this offer up. So if you are interested, please go to www.thedailyshifts.com slash Wesley and just take the leap. So that's www.thedailyshifts.com slash Wesley and really start to shift your life. Now let's get back to the show. It's practice and it really is like every other muscle. Like if you're just out of practice, then just like a muscle, it gets weak and flabby. And so like training it, it does take daily repetitive training on, hey, I need some support with this. Mm -hmm. The one time that my husband and I have had really struggled in our marriage was because I wasn't asking for support. I was, for the first time in our relationship, making more money than him. My business was doing actually better than his, which was very um, empowering for me. But mm-hmm. it got me stuck in this story of being um, the breadwinner and being the woman who does it all. Yes. And by being in that story, it caused me to do it all, not ask for support with my our infant son at that time. And I was getting bitter and resentful toward my husband. Mm -hmm. And thank God for coaching because it was actually one of my coaches back then who pointed out, hey, Kim, so you're struggling here with communicating with your husband and you're doing it all. And she goes, I'm hearing this, but how often are you actually asking him for help? And I was like, oh, crap. Because my husband is the most supportive person on the planet. Like if I told him that I needed to go like for a spa appointment, he would just be like, okay, go. I got to like, like he, he just supports me relentlessly. And I wasn't asking for that support and he couldn't read my mind. It's unfortunate, but like we don't have mind reading technology yet um, for husbands to read our minds. (laughs) And that was what I had. And I don't really think I'd want to have that technology implanted into me either because I'd I'd much prefer the privacy of my own thoughts and the the courage that it takes and the muscle that is strengthened by asking for help because it is with competence and gaining the competence of the practice of showing up for the practice of asking for help that you actually gain confidence in doing it. And the more you actually build that practice, it builds the confidence innately. But confidence comes from having the faith and the trust that when you ask for support, you're going to receive it, that there is that foundation of trust with you and your partner that is there that you're going to receive the support because you both cheer each other on, because you both support each other. And it's just clear communication. I'm really, really figuring this out. Like a lot of people are willing to help. They just don't know how. It's like 
people love direction. Give me, give me something to do. I I'm good at it. But if I'm like walking around in someone else's kitchen and I'm like, Oh, where does this go? Uh, but like, tell me what to do. I am the best little worker bee in that, in that kitchen. So I think, yeah, you're right. People like oh. direction. And this comes down to business too. I mean, when, when people ask for business, a lot of times they're like, it's implicit. So much of our communication is implicit communication where it's like, Hey, I started this program. Why isn't anyone buying? Yeah. How often are you asking for the sale? Like how often are you saying, Hey, I think this program could be really great for you. I think you should sign up for it. I think it'd be serve you really well. Mm-hmm. Would you like to become a client? Would you like to buy this program? Like, how often are you asking for business? How often are you asking for podcast reviews? How often are you asking for that support and asking explicitly? Like when I literally, I wanted to just increase my reviews for, for my podcast when I was um, first launching it. And I said, hey guys, um, looking to just increase some some reviews and some engagement with the podcast. So um, if you wouldn't mind just could you take two seconds and just write me a review? Here's a link. And everyone were like, oh my gosh, yeah, happy to. Because it was a clear, explicit instruction and direction with people actually really do want to do favors for you, like you said. It's true. And the same is true in in our relationships. So often we don't operate with candor. And I, I wrote a blog on this about why it's just absolutely necessary to be candid in your relationships. And it's actually kind because so many people think, oh, that's just brutal honesty. And I'm like, not necessarily. Would it be brutal for me to have built up resentment years and years down the road for my husband because I didn't ask for help and building up this story and then have that lead to someplace where our relationship was really in and having issues or if I was just candid and said, hey, I'm going to let my ego down and I'm going to say, hey, I actually need some help with this, that actually serves so much better and goes so much farther. I mean, when I first started dating my husband, my husband's 19 years older than I am. And when we first started dating and I recognized I was falling in love with him and I said, I cannot have this go any further without knowing that you will have children with me. <laughs> yeah. I was... I was candid because I knew that he was older. I respected him. And because I, because I respected him, I wanted to respect his time that if he did not want to have kids, I would not date him anymore because he would best be served finding somebody else who also didn't want kids. But he said he did. And I was, I love being right. He's the best father to our son that I could have ever asked for. Um, and I knew it all along. And he said, yeah, with you, I could see having kids, but it's like candid candor actually allows you and gives you the opportunity to be super kind with people when you tell them explicitly, hey, this works for me and hey, this doesn't work for me. So if this doesn't work for me, I don't think it's going to be a fit. Like I had that with a a consult client. So I do 90-minute consults if somebody is interested in working with me to see if they'd be a, a good fit for one of my coaching programs. And on a consult call, I saw that this uh, this one woman wasn't really a fit for my style of coaching, which is a little bit more kick, kick ass and like <laughs> candid. And I'm going to yeah. tell it like it is. And I'm not going to like, I'm going to 
only allow you to show up as your highest and best, most authentic self and not who I think you should be, but who you, who you desire to be. And I will hold you to that standard. Um, and I could tell that she wasn't, she wanted handholding. She wanted more validation, um, than I was going to give her. And I was like, I, you know, I'm going to just be candid and say, I don't think this is a right fit. And I'm happy to direct you to somebody else who might be a better fit as a coach for you. Um, and here's an exercise in a blog that could possibly help with moving you farther. But like I was candid and kind with her not wasting her time or her money on yeah. spending another investment on a coach that the problem was not in hiring me as a coach. The problem was that she had been spending money on coaching and investments and things like that and not actually been putting in the work. And I was like, the last thing I will have is a client that doesn't get, like, I do not, like, my clients get results. And there's a reason why my clients get results. And I, it's because I work with people who put, who are willing to put in the work and who are not looking for some other external thing outside of them to be the solution. I see. That is the kind thing to do. Because honestly, you could have made a buck. You could have just oh, took her money yeah. and ran, right? Really? That's awesome. Wait, uh, before I have to, so I told you earlier, I devoured when you were talking about stories and the stories we tell ourselves, I listened in one of your podcasts. It's by the way, I don't think we called the princess and the bee. And I love it because it's about business bodies, boys and babies. It's like how to master all those things in your life. And bank account idea. The princess. (laughs) Oh, bank account. I knew I was missing one. (laughs) Okay. But you had, you, I heard you say this multiple times and I'm going to botch it so terribly right now, but it's a Hawaiian word. Ho'oponopono. Yes. It, am I even? I don't know. You, but you talk about this and it's this, it's this exercise you do with some of your clients when it's pertaining. I guess, I mean, you obviously know who would benefit, but can you kind of explain what this is? I was so intrigued. So Ho'oponopono is an ancient Hawaiian huna uh, technique and it's it's basically a practice of, of forgiveness and release mm-hmm. and so you're cutting ties with with people energetically that isn't it that are not serving your highest and best and that you may still be holding on to mm-hmm. and you're also allowing cutting ties for forgiving yourself and cutting ties with the guilt and cutting ties with shame. Because more often than not, guilt and shame is actually a generation, uh, guilt specifically is generational. Mm-hmm. So when I do time techniques with my clients, um, with my private clients, and we go into looking at where the root causes of their, uh, their negative emotions and certain beliefs, a lot of times guilt is always generational. It's always some form of generational trauma that has been passed down. And Ho'oponopono, and this has actually been something that's been scientifically studied with rats, is that with rats, they did um, a study where they had a shock to a rat, and then that rat got shocked in the same place in this maze consistently. And then that rat had babies, and then that those babies had babies. And they put the babies and the baby's babies and the grandbabies through the maze too. They never applied the shock to the babies or to the grandbabies. But the rats still stopped in the same place where the shock was originally delivered oh and froze. Gosh. No. 
That is wild. Generational trauma can be passed on. And what I've seen specifically with guilt is that that's one that we can definitely pass on beyond, which is why I say like for moms, like drop the mom guilt. Like it's not going to serve your children in the future. But Ho'oponopono, um, there's a few different practices of Ho'oponopono. There's one where there is um, energetic light that you um, that comes down, source light, where you cut the cords energetically to people who you have met in your life or who have had an impact on you. Um, I do a process where I cut the cord of energetic ties with the identities of who you have been in the past. Oh, um, that one feels powerful. I was so, oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I've done it where there's a simple Ho'oponopono prayer that is that I've worked with clients who have experienced trauma or like, because I have, I have a way of um, attracting uh, people sometimes in, into my world who have had sexual trauma, probably because I have in the past, and um, who will tell me things that they have said that they literally are like, I never have told anyone this. And I'm like, that's quite common for me to hear that. Um, and there was one gentleman that I was working through with this where it was really about allowing for that forgiveness of the simple prayer. It's the Ho'oponopono prayer of, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. It's a very simple prayer. Oh, it's beautiful it's though. It can be practiced daily because it's, it applies to the law of oneness for the universe. Like we are all connected. So whomever you're saying, I love you to, it's, I love you. It could be, I love you to yourself. It could be, I love you to, you know, somebody who you feel hurt you. Um, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And just allowing for that internal healing and for that space. And this is a practice that sometimes I do every pretty much like every morning after my um, transcendental meditation, as I'm coming out of it, I'll just naturally fall into this practice because forgiveness is so essential for moving forward with anything. And when you have that regular practice of allowing for forgiveness, what forgiveness does is it creates space. So we are all cups that are 100% full all of the time. Sometimes we just have some particles in there that may be causing our water to be a little murky. And if we're going to do that, in order to keep the cup full, which it has to stay full, you have to turn the faucet on high and create space. So this applies to one of the universal laws, um, the universal law of the vacuum, and where the universal law, uh, the universe basically abhors a vacuum. If you think of like footprints on the sand, when you're walking along the sand, um, the ocean will come in and fill in those holes of your footprints with water and eventually sand. And eventually it just, it fills in with sand again and it fills it in. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what forgiveness does is it creates those, those vacuum holes where something else can fill it or something new can be chosen. You can decide what fills it. I highly recommend you do decide what fills it <laughs> once you release it um, because it, then it, it makes you choosing your life a lot more rather than choosing the indoctrination or the conditioning or the plagiarized programming that you may have consciously or unconsciously accepted at some point in your life. Oh, and when you allow for that space and that freedom, it, it changes the game and you create that vacuum with forgiveness 
then you make a new choice. Because so often, especially with high achievers, us high achievers, we can be so skilled at blaming ourselves at because we're so skilled at taking ownership and we think ownership is by blaming ourselves and suddenly we're the, the cause, we take responsibility, we know we're 100% at cause, we take responsibility for the problems and the problems of everybody else on the planet um, because we're, at, we're, we're so responsible. But that's not necessarily ownership, that's actually blame mm -hmm. and blame gets can get replaced with forgiveness. So forgiving ourselves for blaming ourselves, forgiving ourselves for mistakes, forgiving ourselves for being on our own backs, forgiving ourselves for messing up, and then it allows for the timeline of progress and growth to be sped up so much faster with forgiveness rather than beating ourselves. I mean, if you think about it from a relational standpoint, if you were in a relationship with somebody who just constantly beat you up and berated you for not everything you did wrong, how fast would that relationship move forward toward like healthy and wholeness? Right. Not really fast. Like you, you'd have resentment toward it, but that's what we do constantly with our relationships with ourselves. And so what forgiveness does is it allows for that space and that that time to be able to create that space to, to, to forgive, to release, and to let it go like Elsa from Frozen. <laughs> well, I think it is honestly one of the most beautiful. I mean, all of, all of your podcasts have been deeply profound. And, and the other thing about it too is they're bite-sized. You guys, sometimes it's like seven minutes. Sometimes they're 17 minutes and she just gets on and spits this, like what she's been doing for the last hour. And in your authenticity, I really feel like you're you through and through. And it's amazing. I feel like it's hard to come by. So I want all of my listeners to know how to find you, where to go, what you have to offer. This is, this is your moment. Give us everything you got. Where can we find you? Ah. Wesley, it has been such a pleasure having a conversation with you. And thank you for, I love the fact that you pointed out that my podcast was like bite-sized because if you go back to the first episodes, it was not. Really? And I remember when I switched it. Oh yeah. I remember when I switched to having it be smaller bite-sized episodes, my assistant was like, a 20 minute episode. Like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I'm into it. I'm just, I'm just making it a little bit more easily digestible <laughs> so no. that way it can be. And so how you find me is I do have a podcast. It's called the princess and the bee subscribe to it. Write me a review. I love seeing your reviews. Um, and definitely when you subscribe to it, take a screenshot of it and tag me in Instagram at Kimberly.Spencer um, in your stories because I love hearing your breakthroughs, your takeaways, your ahas, and all of that. And you can go to crownyourself.com to access any and all um, of my workshops or trainings or courses or memberships. If you love this episode and you would love to dive deeper into some of your subconscious sub success strategies, I would love to be to work with you in a 90 minute consult and see where we can go from there and to take this relationship to the next level. And I am just, I'm so blessed to be on this podcast, Wesley. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me and for being so open and honest and vulnerable with everything you're going through. And I, I absolutely admire that. And I have no doubt that that has led to what the, the, the great success that you have had with your podcast is Aww. your authenticity, because it really does rain. 
Thank you. I know I'm just learning how to crown myself out loud, live time, like right. Just everyone watch me. This is what's happening. I'm crowning myself. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! Okay, Kimberly, uh, honestly, you're such a joy. So happy to have you. Thank you guys for listening. Find Kimberly on Instagram. We love you. We'll see you next week.